Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Around the world, you can find plenty of abandoned towns and cities. Places that were once thriving, but... For one reason or another, people decided to leave behind. There are a lot of reasons this can occur. Poverty, famine, disease, natural disasters, just to name a few. In 1950, the last resident of the fishing town of Portlock, Alaska, finally cleared out and left the place behind. According to some versions of the tale, the reason the townspeople packed their bags and left was because something else didn't want them there. Portlock is located in Port Chatham Bay along the southern edge of the Kenai Peninsula. The now ghost town takes its name from the British naval captain Nathaniel Portlock, who sailed through the area back in 1786. There remains some doubt whether Captain Portlock ever actually dropped anchor and set foot on the patch of land that bears his name. In either case, it probably doesn't matter since most of the local residents tended to call the place Port Chatham anyway. Chatham's Calm Bay proved to be ideal for fishing. By the turn of the 20th century, an American company brought a fleet of fishing boats to the area and set up shop. They established the Porlock Cannery, and by 1921, the town had grown big enough that they were able to open up a pool hall and a United States post office. Although on the surface, things seemed to be going well for the small fishing village, some stories began to spread that human beings weren't the only things that lived in the remote area. In 1905, many of the cannery workers walked off the job and refused to return until the following season. After many of them began claiming they saw an enormous hairy creature in the forest that walked on two legs and very clearly wasn't a bear. Over time, people began to report finding giant footprints along the beaches of Portlock. Others reported discovering large trees in the forest that had been ripped out of the ground, then shoved back in upside down. One curious thing to know about the area around Port Chatham is that there was no record of any Alaska natives living there prior to the white settlers moving in. But after Portlock was established, several Alaska natives traveled there for work. Many of those people brought with them oral legends of a mysterious hairy man who lived in the forests. Over time, some of the native people began to refer to this creature as the Nantinak. In the 1920s, a man named Albert Petka supposedly stumbled across the Nantinak in the forest and tried chasing it off with his dogs. But the creature fought back and struck him with such a forceful blow to the chest that it ultimately killed him. But Petka stayed alive long enough to tell people what he had encountered. In 1973, an Anchorage newspaper ran an interview with a retired school teacher who had worked in Port Chatham during World War II. She told stories of several cannery workers who went hunting in the mountains for doll sheep and bear, only to never return. Search parties went deep into the woods but were unable to locate any trace of them. Although there were some stories that claimed the human remains actually were found, just not all of them. According to some stories, after a series of heavy rains, body parts began washing down from the mountain into a lagoon. There were severed limbs that had been torn from their sockets and other body parts that were so horribly mangled that it was impossible to identify them. Other such tales include that of Andrew Kamluck, 
who in 1931 went out logging, but was later found dead in the woods from a blow to the skull. This, of course, could have either been an accident or the work of a very human murderer. Although it appeared that the object used to kill him was a large piece of logging equipment that was too heavy for a normal-sized man to lift all on his own. By the 1930s, many of the Russian Aleuts who worked in the cannery had become so frightened that they began moving out of town in droves. The cannery owners begged the workers to return and even set up armed guards in an attempt to bring them back to town. But by then, it was too little, too late. Over time, many residents began to fear the surrounding woods and ultimately abandoned their homes and moved away. By 1950, only the Portlock postmaster remained. When he finally left, the town was completely abandoned. Today, only a few structures remain standing. But even after Portlock was abandoned, the stories didn't end there. In 1968, a goat hunter claimed to have encountered a large creature that chased him through the woods. In 1973, three hunters took shelter during a three-day storm in the abandoned town. They claimed that in the middle of the night, something walked around their tent on what sounded like two large, heavy feet. In 1990, an Anchorage paramedic was called out to assist a 70-year-old native who had suffered a heart attack while being held in the Eagle River Jail north of Portlock. The paramedic later said that while he was treating the unconscious man, he suddenly sat bolt upright, grabbed him by the shirt, and asked, Did it bother you? Did you see it? Over the years, there have been plenty of skeptics who have poked holes in these stories. Another much simpler explanation why Porlock may have been abandoned is because it was so remote and difficult to get to. There are no roads leading into town. The only way in is by boat through the bay. After Alaska built a highway that bypassed the town, this pretty much signaled its end. In truth, official documentation on most of these mysterious deaths and disappearances that were reported over the years are difficult to come by. Although some of these tales were reported in local newspapers, most of the sources of these stories seem to be oral anecdotes passed around by locals. But to many of the native Alaskans who worked in the region, these legends of the Nantinak are very, very real. And they aren't the only ones like them in Alaska. Horlock lies just outside of a region in Alaska with its own deadly reputation. America's 49th state is home to 17 of the highest peaks in the country as well as over half of the nation's federally designated wilderness and an estimated 100,000 glaciers. It's also home to a massive stretch of 186,000 miles of wilderness, where, since 1972, more than 20,000 people have vanished without a trace. That's more than twice the national missing persons average. The rate of people who are never found is even higher. The area between Ukovic Anchorage and Juneau has become so notorious for its mysterious disappearances that it has taken on an even more ominous nickname, the Alaska Triangle. I'm Nate Hale, coming to you live from my secret podcasting studio inside the hollow earth, and this is The Conspirators. The Tlingit people have lived on the coastal lands of southern Alaska for centuries, and perhaps as long as 10,000 years. Some of the places the Tlingit live fall within the area known as the Alaska Triangle, where since the 1970s alone, 
more than 20,000 people have vanished. According to Tlinga tradition, some of their ancestors migrated from the south, bringing with them many of their native legends and stories about supernatural creatures. During the 19th century, fur trappers decimated the population of Alaska's sea otters. And yet the Tlingits say there is one particular breed of otter everyone knows not to mess with. This is an evil shape-shifting creature known as a kushtaka, which roughly translates to man-otter. If that sounds innocent enough, the kushtaka is anything but. That's because these creatures are actually pure evil, and have been known to kill and eat people. Sometimes the kushtaka takes the form of an injured child or a family member, which allows them to sneak up on an unwary individual and steal their soul. Some versions of the legend say they not only steal souls, but they actually rip the person's flesh apart and devour them. These stories are similar to that of the mysterious hairy man who was allegedly spotted around Port Chatham and was said to tear people limb from limb. In both instances, the native Alaskans believe the creature behind these attacks to be some sort of supernatural entity. But land-based monsters walking on the ground can't possibly account for all the mysterious disappearances throughout the area known as the Alaska Triangle. Because a great many of these disappearances occur in the skies above. In January 1950, a United States Air Force Douglas C-54 Skymaster took off from Anchorage heading for Great Falls, Montana. The plane carried eight crew members, 34 military personnel, and two civilians, 44 passengers in total. This was a well-traveled flight path, and at first, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. About two hours after taking off, the pilots checked in with a communications base in the tiny village of Snag, in Canada's Yukon Territory. The Skymaster's pilot told the communications officer that they had some ice on their wings, which was not uncommon considering temperatures on the ground often dropped to around minus 16 degrees Fahrenheit. The pilot told the radio operator on the ground they would contact the next base along the route in about 30 minutes. But 30 minutes came and went with no further communication from the plane. After that, neither the plane nor its passengers were ever seen again. Minutes grew to hours with no further communication coming in from the Skymaster. Soon, Canadian and U.S. military officials began to fear the worst. At the time, there were joint war games planned between the U.S. and Canadian Air Forces. But those plans were immediately scrapped and instead turned into one of the largest air searches in history. Over the next three weeks, 85 planes were dispatched to search the more than 300,000 square miles of frozen tundra looking for the presumably downed aircraft. The terrain below was harsh and inhospitable. It is well known that ferocious weather can kick up at a moment's notice. In fact, three of those search planes crashed during this time as well. But no trace of the C-54 Skymaster or its passengers was ever found. But the military plane crashes didn't stop there. Only a month after the Skymaster went missing on February 14, 1950, a Convair B-36B ran into engine trouble over northwest British Columbia before it too crashed, killing the five crewmen on board. What was even worse was this was a nuclear bomber. Before the plane went down, the pilots managed to eject and detonate the nuclear bomb it was carrying in mid-air. The bomb was loaded with a quantity of natural uranium, but luckily at the time it was detonated, it did not contain the plutonium core necessary for a nuclear explosion. This was the first reported loss of a nuclear weapon in history. Frigid weather is reportedly what caused the nuclear bomber to crash. 
The wreckage was eventually located and is still there today. But that still doesn't explain what caused the Douglas C-54 Skymaster to vanish without a trace a month earlier. To date, that plane has never been found. One suggestion that's been made is that the Skymaster may have been shot down by the Soviet Union. Remember that this occurred at the start of the Cold War, when tensions with the Soviets were at their peak. Alaska is only 56 miles from the Soviet Union, which is why there were nuclear bombers being flown out of Elmendor Air Force Base that were kept on high alert. But if the Soviets shot down the Skymaster, they have never publicly admitted it. Nor has any wreckage from the plane ever been found. Another theory is that perhaps the Skymaster was actually shot down by the U.S. in a friendly fire incident during the War Games exercises. A scenario like this might explain why such a massive search effort was mounted, in order for the U.S. military to cover up its mistake. But like the theory about the Soviet Union, there's just no evidence to support it. In 2020, a man posted photos on his website of some aluminum plane parts he found on top of Mount Hogue that he claims are part of the wreckage of the missing Skymaster. But these parts have never been confirmed to have come from the missing plane and, officially, the Skymaster is still listed as having never been found. But these incidents aren't even close to being the only mysterious plane crashes that have occurred over the area known as the Alaska Triangle. Despite only having 0.2% of the U.S. population, Alaska has a higher number of plane crashes than the rest of the United States, accounting for more than 5% of plane crashes reported each year. Probably the most famous plane that went missing in the Alaska Triangle has to be the one carrying U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs and Alaska Congressman Nick Begich. Back in October 1972, Begich was a freshman congressman up for re-election. His race to maintain his seat was extremely tight according to polls. On October 16th, Majority Leader Boggs agreed to join Begich on the campaign trail to boost his poll numbers. At 9 a.m., Boggs, Begich, an aide named Russell Brown, and their bush pilot, Don Johns, took off in a small private Cessna, flying from Anchorage to Juneau. The pilot checked in with an FAA flight service station nine minutes later. That was the last time anyone ever saw or heard from the plane. They never sent a distress call, nor was in there any other indication where the plane may have disappeared to. Johns was a highly experienced pilot with many hours in the air flying this very same route. The plane they were on had recently passed a maintenance check, so mechanical failure seems unlikely. So the reason the plane vanished remains a mystery. Over the next month, 50 civilian planes and 40 military aircraft scoured the area. The scores of aircraft and a number of boats as well searched more than 32,000 square miles of wilderness for any trace of the missing plane. But no sign of the pastures or any plane wreckage was ever found. Both Boggs and Begich were re-elected after their deaths, but this was more symbolic than anything. To this day, there remain plenty of questions and conspiracy theories about what could have caused these men to go missing. Some people have suggested a foul play may have been involved, and the culprits may have been members of the U.S. intelligence community, like the CIA. You see, Hale Boggs was a member of the Warren Commission, the official government investigation into the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. After the Warren Commission concluded its work, they issued an 888-page report stating that Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK on his own. But Hale Boggs was the only dissenting opinion pointing to Oswald being a lone assassin. One long-standing conspiracy theory has been that Boggs and Begich's plane was sabotaged to shut Boggs up for asking too many questions. 
As far-fetched as it sounds, you have to consider a couple of things. One of the primary conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination is that the CIA conspired with members of organized crime to murder the president. Now, we can travel down that road in another podcast. But for now, just consider that less than a year and a half after Begich's death, his widow Peggy remarried. This time to a man named Jerry Max Paisley. Only that marriage didn't last long. That's because Paisley was a low-level member of the Bonanno organized crime family, who was arrested for gunning down a man in a Tucson hotel. While Paisley was in prison, he told authorities that he wanted to come clean about his other crimes, including his role in the murder of his ex-wife's first husband, Nick Begich. According to Paisley, a Bonanno lieutenant handed him a locked briefcase and ordered him to take it to Anchorage and give it to two other men. At first, Paisley wasn't told what the briefcase contained, although he was told that something big was about to happen. Later on, Begich's plane vanished, and he began to suspect what had been inside the briefcase. Sometime after that, he said he got drunk in a bar with the man who he had given the briefcase to, and that man admitted the case contained a bomb and that he had placed it on Begich and Boggs' plane. But these alternate theories on what may have occurred in these particular incidents still don't account for all the many other strange disappearances that occur in Alaska each year. In any given year, between 500 to 2,000 people go missing in Alaska, never to be seen again. That's more than twice the national missing persons average. Take the northwestern town of Nome, Alaska, for example. On average, the tiny town has about 3,000 residents year-round. And yet between 1960 to 2004, two dozen people went missing. That's a surprising statistic coming from such a tiny remote town. Explanations ranging from a serial killer to alien abductions have been put forth to explain these disappearances. In fact, in 2009, a Hollywood movie called The Fourth Kind was released that purportedly told the true story of a number of people who were being abducted by aliens from the small town. The film was marketed as a documentary when in fact it was later revealed to be completely fiction with the supposedly true story elements being drummed up by a Hollywood marketing department. One more down-to-earth theory about Nome is a lot less sensational and even more depressing. FBI investigators who looked into the Nome disappearances concluded that these disappearances actually come down to a few factors. Namely, a combination of the environment as well as just how depressing it can be to live in Nome. The tiny town is largely isolated from the rest of Alaska with miles of inhospitable terrain surrounding it in every direction. It's also bitter cold with the weather often reaching sub-zero temperatures. Many of the people who vanished were known drinkers. It's believed a number of these disappearances can be explained away by just being people who got drunk and wandered off into the wilderness, only to freeze to death. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. 
Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Although the evidence seems to be against alien abductions being the cause of the gnome disappearances, this isn't to say, though, there haven't been some notable UFO sightings over Alaska, though. During World War II, some sailors reported seeing unidentified flying objects flying over the Bering Sea, the stretch of water that runs between Alaska and Russia. A couple years later, a Navy pilot was flying over Kodiak Island when he noticed another craft zipping along behind him. When he radioed into the control tower, radar showed the aircraft nearby moving at 1,800 miles an hour. That's more than twice the speed of sound. In more recent years, two of the most well-known and well-documented incidents in history occurred over Alaska. In February 2023, USF-22 fighter jets shot down an unidentified object over Alaska. In that case, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, has been widely reported to be a suspected Chinese spy balloon. But an even more remarkable incident occurred on November 16, 1986 over the Alaska Triangle. This is when the three-person crew of Japan Airlines Flight 1628, a Boeing 747 cargo aircraft, encountered something inexplicable during their flight. The story told by pilot Kenju Tariuchi has become the stuff of legends in UFO circles. The plane was en route from Paris on a layover in Anchorage on its way to Tokyo. That night, the crew of JAL-1628 began reporting seeing two brightly illuminated objects off to the left of their aircraft. At first, Teriyuchi and his crew tried ignoring them, assuming they were just some random commercial or military air traffic in the area. But then the glowing objects reportedly moved closer to the cargo jet and began following alongside it. It was at this point when Teriyuchi radioed the control tower in Anchorage to ask if any other planes were in the air near them. He was told that there shouldn't be. But then the tower told Teriyuchi that they had begun picking up the radar signals of some unidentified craft in his vicinity but only intermittently. Sometimes the other craft would appear as a blip on the radar. Then, just as quickly, it would vanish. Tariuchi asked for permission to undertake a series of course and altitude changes to avoid a possible air collision. Permission was granted, but the objects continued to pace the jet. At their closest point, Captain Tariuchi claimed that the plane's cabin was completely lit up by the light emanating from the objects, and the crew could actually feel waves of heat coming off them. The two objects soon departed, and for a moment, the encounter was over. But then Captain Teriyuchi reported that a massive disc-shaped mothership began trailing behind them. This was an enormous craft that dwarfed the cargo jet and kept trailing behind them almost until they reached the airfield at Anchorage, before it too vanished. What makes this incident so remarkable is that Captain Teriyuchi was an experienced pilot, and not someone who had been thought of as the type of person to make up wild stories. Afterwards, Captain Teriyuchi was warned to stop talking publicly about his UFO encounter, but when he defied his superiors and kept doing so, he was grounded. After several years, he finally managed to be reinstated as a pilot. He retired a few years after that. Author Timothy Good claimed in a book that a day after the incident occurred, a briefing was held at FAA headquarters, where representatives from the FBI, CIA, and the Pentagon were present. Upon completion of the presentation, all present were told that the incident was secret, and that this meeting never took place. According to the FAA's regional director, John Callahan, who was present at the meeting, officials took possession of all the collected data about the UFO encounter. However, Callahan managed to retain a copy of the original video, 
as well as both the pilot's report and the FAA's initial findings. Callahan leaked these pieces of evidence to the press, and since then, the incident has gone on to become widely known as one of the most famous UFO encounters in history. But not everyone agrees that Captain Teriyuchi and his crew encountered an alien spacecraft that night in November 1986. The FAA conducted a three-month investigation, and in March 1987, they retracted the earlier statements from their controllers that they had tracked a UFO. Instead, the FAA now claims the radar operators had picked up a split radar image, a rare atmospheric anomaly that can create a blip in the sky where there is nothing there. Noted UFO skeptic Philip J. Class wrote a more scathing report on the incident. He claimed that Captain Teriyuchi was a hardcore believer in UFOs and had even reported seeing flying saucers twice before his encounter over Alaska. Class believed that Teriyuchi was primed to look for UFOs in the sky and mistook the very bright Jupiter and Mars in the sky as flying saucers. As further evidence of this, Class pointed out that the two crew members in the cockpit with Teriyuchi would only admit to seeing strange lights in the sky, without confirming some of the more extreme details reported by the pilot. This hasn't dissuaded many true believers that something strange is happening in the skies over the Alaska Triangle, though. Captain Teriyuchi's encounter isn't the only reported UFO sighting over the area. Over the years, many people have reported seeing mysterious lights in the sky across Alaska. But alien beings aren't the only potential explanation for these strange lights that have been put forth. Another theory is that the skies over Alaska contain swirling energy vortexes that can do everything from influence human behavior to actually opening up a wormhole to another dimension. It is true that Alaska has some pretty unusual magnetic anomalies. The higher north you go and closer to the poles you get, the more magnetic irregularities occur. Some pilots and search teams are reported their compasses spinning erratically and even being off by as much as 30 degrees. Taking this information alone, it can possibly be a little easier to understand why some pilots might become lost over harsh wilderness. It's also been claimed that these magnetic forces can have a physical effect on some people as well. Some people have reported feeling disoriented or experiencing auditory hallucinations, both of which would account for some people getting lost or crashing their aircraft in the Alaska Triangle. Taking things a step further, there have been some people who have made the even wilder claim that these magnetic anomalies can form massive swirling energy vortexes, and that these vortexes can actually become so powerful, they actually open up a wormhole, the theoretical tunnel through space and time that has become popular throughout science fiction. I know, it sounds like something straight out of Star Trek. But there are pilots who have claimed to have encountered mysterious portals in the sky that have taken them elsewhere. In 1970, Bruce Gernon was flying off the coast of Florida through the infamous area known as the Bermuda Triangle, when he claims to have flown into what he calls an electronic fog. Gernon said that one day he was flying his small plane containing himself, his father, and business partner heading toward Palm Beach when he spotted a strange-looking cloud in his path that he was unable to avoid. When Gernon flew into the cloud, he said that it almost looked like a swirling tunnel was forming in front of him. Suddenly, all the navigation instruments in his cockpit began malfunctioning. There were strange flashes of light all around the plane. They managed to escape the corridor, and for a moment, they felt a strange sensation of being weightless. Bruce did his best to maintain control of the plane. He tried radioing the control tower to get his coordinates, but the control tower said they couldn't see them on radar. It was as if the plane was invisible. But then a few moments later, the plane suddenly reappeared on radar. Bruce couldn't believe what he was seeing. He looked through the window and saw Miami Beach below him, but this was impossible. 
because the flight to Miami Beach should have taken 75 minutes. But Bruce had only been in the air for 47 minutes. He believed that whatever the mysterious vortex he encountered in the sky was that day, it allowed him to travel through time. Let's be clear, this story sounds completely unbelievable. At the same time, there have been theoretical physicists who have theorized that such a wormhole through the fabric of space and time is scientifically possible. But even still, it's a big leap to consider that such wormholes just randomly appear in the sky over places like Bermuda or the Alaska Triangle and swallow planes up. If all that seems difficult to believe, then consider there's an even wilder theory about what might be behind all the strange disappearances throughout the Alaska Triangle. Back in 1989, a former counterintelligence officer with the Army named Doug Mutchler was posted to Fort Richardson in Anchorage. After he arrived, he began studying the military maps to familiarize himself with the area. That was when he noticed something strange. Despite the Army having charted most of the state's land, there was one large area that remained unusually unsurveyed. There was just a blank there on the map. Doug assumed there must be something secret there the military wanted to keep off the record. Being in the position he was, Doug knew not to ask too many questions. Then in 1992, Doug saw a strange news report on TV. Doug said the reporter announced that China had been conducting underground nuclear bomb tests that had been powerful enough for the ripple effects to be felt all the way to Alaska. After that, several geologists headed to the remote area where the seismic activity had been felt the strongest, only to discover a gigantic pyramid beneath the earth that was larger than the Great Pyramid at Giza and evidently was generating some sort of energy. Doug was astonished. He learned the news broadcast was supposed to re-air later that evening, and he wanted a record of it. So he set his VCR to record the broadcast. Only when he went to watch the tape, the news story about the pyramid wasn't included. Doug went to the news station and asked why they hadn't repeated the story, but the station claimed they didn't know what Doug was talking about. Later, Doug claimed that a station employee pulled him aside and confided in him that the two men from the government had showed up at the station and took all the tapes and ordered everyone to keep their mouths shut. After that, Doug said he kept looking for answers. The following year, Doug was in Fort Meade in Maryland when he managed to get his hands on a top-secret file labeled Alaska. But before he could look inside, two men approached him and ordered him to give it back. The biggest problem with Doug's story is we only have his word to corroborate it. There's just no evidence to back any of it up. And you would think that if a story of this magnitude really did get broadcast, then it would have been picked up by every major news outlet in the world. The fact is, though, if we were to look for some more earthly explanation as to why people have been disappearing in the Alaskan Triangle, then we might need to look below the ground after all. Putting aside all the stories of UFOs, lost pyramids, and Bigfoot-like creatures, the truth is Alaska is a very dangerous place for humans to be. There are hungry bears and packs of wolves throughout the vast wilderness that could account for some unwary travelers going missing. On top of that, large portions of the Alaskan country are covered in ice. There have been plenty of well-documented incidents in which people have gone hiking on what they thought was stable ground only for massive fissures to open up in the ice, sending them falling into an inescapable crevasse. Then, when a fresh layer of snow falls, the hiker gets covered up and lost for decades. This sort of thing happens in frozen environments all over the world. In recent years, a melting glacier in the Italian Alps revealed the bodies of a number of soldiers who went missing during World War I. Just this past July, the body of a Swiss hiker was found in a melting glacier after he had gone missing 38 years ago. 
And this sort of thing can happen to more than just people, too. In January 2000, some rock climbers in the Andes Mountains found the wreckage of legendary British South Americans Airlines flight CS-59, known as the Stardust. That plane went missing back in 1947. The Stardust had crashed into a glacier and was completely covered up by snow. It's possible something similar could have happened with the missing Skymaster, or the plane carrying Hale Boggs and Nick Begich. But, until we find the wreckage of both those planes and others like them frozen in ice, we may never know the truth. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. I have some new Patreon supporters to thank. Thank you to Chris and Rob for signing up and helping support the show. Patrons of the show get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes. In fact, this month I did something extra special. Recently, I started posting short-form videos to my TikTok and Instagram accounts, which are like quick little bite-sized episodes of the show. So for my Patreons this month, I made an exclusive video version of the latest mini-episode. If you get a chance, drop me a line and let me know what you think. I've been having a lot of fun with these short-form videos, and, and I have some even bigger things in store coming soon. If you're interested in any of these things, I'll put a link to both my Patreon and my TikTok account in the show notes. Another great way you can help support the show is to subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. I know all the podcasts ask this, but it's for a very good reason. Each one of your ratings and reviews helps boost us in the interwebs, magical algorithms, and helps spread the love to more people. Besides TikTok and Instagram, I also have a Facebook page where I post the latest news about the show. I also have a Twitter account, although we'll see what happens with that constant funhouse. We also have a website, theconspiratorspodcast.com, where you can check us out. You can also send us a good old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to drop us a line and let us know how we're doing, or even give us episode suggestions. In fact, the episode you just heard was a listener's suggestion. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time.